This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We'll recap UFC Fight Night, Luke A vs. Muhammad 2, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome and Real World Callouts, and last but not least, we'll preview UFC Fight Night, Lemos vs. Andrade. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. We got a fight night sandwich here, fight night recap, fight night preview. Nothing too exciting there, which is okay because JLT is still in transit here. So uh, bear with us another week. Coming to you a little late this week. But nonetheless, we got a full episode. So before we get into it, we'll start things off as we always do with our take of the week. So Ryan, as always, take us away. All right, take of the week. We're naming uh, Corey Anderson. Oh, no, you the, took uh, mine. The JLT Bonehead of the Week. Uh, we could do a co on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, JLT Bonehead of the Week for sure. I'm sure you got some stuff to add to this, but, I mean, what an idiot, right? I mean, he his uh, the foul, I mean, the foul was accidental for sure, but then just how he responded to the foul, um, just uh, kind of inexcusable, right? <laughs> yeah. Um Arguably the worst, not like bad beat, like money, like losing a bet. He literally let a million dollars walk out the door on him. Yeah. Yeah. You want to explain like a little bit of what, what took place, I guess? Yeah. So he was fighting in the Bellator Grand, what is it? The light heavyweight Grand Prix. Yeah. And Corey Anderson on the record has been letting everybody know he's the best lightweight, light heavyweight (laughs) in the world, in the world. Yeah. And he had his chance to prove it against. Vakim, what's his name, who actually knit Nekimanoff, who I actually think is pretty good. But Corey Anderson kind of exposed him a little bit, and I'll give him credit for that. He was, uh, Corey Anderson was winning this fight. They had, what was it, accidental clash of heads? Yeah, yeah, he was basically throwing ground and pound. And uh, And it was kind of a headbutt. It was like a billy goat accidental head clash of heads. But, yeah, he was throwing ground upon, and he like slipped and just went head to head with uh, Nemkov while he's on the ground. But then he pulls his head up and shows this huge gash on Nemkov. How much time was left when this happened? Three seconds. Three seconds. Okay, three seconds in the fight, and they stop it, and then they rule the in the third round. Yeah, in the third round. Yeah, and they they stop the fight and they wave it off because they didn't. What was it? They didn't have enough rounds to. Uh, yeah. So basically the. Uh, so it was three seconds left in the third round. He he calls attention to the ref that, that there's a clash of heads. The ref stops it with three seconds left. And uh, they bring the doctor, and the doctor says he can't continue. Um, so basically the ruling is, I guess, on a five-round fight, if it's in the fourth round, it gets judged. Mm-hmm. Basically, you'd go to the scorecards. If, but the third round needs to be complete. So since the third round wasn't complete, there's three seconds left. They weren't able to go to the card, so it was uh, ruled a, a no contest, and uh, nobody gets the million-dollar prize. And the worst part was they brought the million-dollar check in, and they just turned it around backwards and set it down <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. They, they weren't sure exactly what was going on. So and then they left they with it. They thought it, it might have been a finish, I guess. They didn't know. Like I guess the people like cage side didn't realize it wasn't like a – a knockout finish. It was a clash of heads. So until they announced it, so yeah, he uh, he sees that million dollar check walking in the odd guy, and then it just does a does a one eighty and walks right out the door. And it's like, come on, man. I know like you know you're a good guy, or whatever. You want to uh, make sure your opponent's all right, but 
Come on, just he would have he would have been fine with another three <laughs> seconds. It would have been uh, he would have lived. It so, was like you know you got to know what the clock's at. You got to just uh, let that ride out. It was like a, the Happy Gilmore when he asked for a big check instead of a little one. They had one of the, it was like <laughs> yeah, one of those big cartoon right. checks. They brought it in yeah. there for him. Everybody's looking around confused too. It would have been a clear Corey Anderson win. He also would have been the Bellator light heavyweight champion. Everything was like, um, I mean, bad luck too. Like. In the moment, you don't really know what's going on, but man, three seconds away. And in contrast to the UFC, where they now they now they just let fouls, they call every foul accidental, and they just let it slide now. So <laughs> yeah, even if it clearly was intentional, I will say this though, on Corey Anderson's behalf, it's a good thing that he's making like fifty million a fight or whatever he said because Bellator is making him very rich because. Yeah, and he could just uh, not lose any sleep over that million dollar check that they took in the back and ripped into shreds. Yeah, exactly. He's like the, the number one paid fighter in the world, so it's not that big of a deal. Best, best light heavyweight in the world should be paid accordingly. Yeah, yeah. It, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I almost feel bad for the guy, but not really because he's just <laughs> ridiculously annoying with his I'm the best heavyweight, light heavyweight in the world. It's like, no, you're not. Like, I mean, there's still John Jones, who I guess is not currently fighting at light heavyweight, but... Uh, I mean, he's still in the UFC. There's still Jan Bohovic. There's still a lot of guys. Like, Jan Bohovic knocked Corey Anderson out cold, like, not that long ago. That's why he went to Bellator. He was going to – he fought Jan for the title eliminator, and then he jumped ship. So – or did he get cut? I don't remember. Whatever it was, but – no, he uh, he asked for his release. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and, I mean, that was all crazy, too. But, uh, I mean, he had some cakewalk fights in Bellator. He fought Melvin. Did he fight Melvin Madoff for his first fight? And Melvin Madoff's like fifty years old. Yeah, he hasn't fought a very tough. I'll give him credit though. I thought that uh, that that guy who was the lightweight champion, light heavyweight champion, I thought he was pretty good. He's looked unbeatable. Granted, he beat up Ryan Bader, which every top five heavyweight, light heavyweight in the UFC has beat up Ryan Bader, but still. Yeah, I guess he just can't wrestle. I guess he's good if it's if it's a striking match, but. He just gets, uh, you know, can get taken down and held there. So, yeah, he fought Melvin Manhoof, some guy I've never heard of, Yag Shimmer Miradov, Ryan Bader, and then Vadim Nemkov. So, so yeah. So, Bellator, not necessarily yeah. the most stacked. The rest of that event was okay. Um, I didn't watch all of it. I watched spots. But either way, Corey Anderson, tough loss, uh, especially for him. Um, I think he might have even had a little well, – I don't know what the odds were, but nobody lost as much money as he did. So, word to the wise if you accidentally headbutt somebody um and the round is almost over just let it go because i mean i would have put my hand over his cut and not shown anybody but i'm a i'm a little quicker so so it was five seconds it was five seconds left it says it ended with four minutes and 55 seconds or like out of the round so five seconds left. i mean i've never been five seconds away from a million dollars i don't think no no if i was i I had butted him. <laughs> yeah, so we'll share our take of the week this week, but it, it was definitely worth uh, definitely worth doubling down on. And like I said, it'll kind of double up uh, with our recap because, uh, I mean, I, I think this week uh, we had our main event, Vicente Luque, Bawal Muhammad. But aside from that, the card wasn't super stacked. But I, it's going to be a historic card because it became the day that they just stopped um, caring about intentional fouls. So two guys on this card were winning their fights very handily, committed insane fouls that ended the fights, and then they just let them slide. So um, we'll, uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but we'll start with our, uh, our, main, our main event here. Vicente Luque, Boal Muhammad. 
Got to give you a shout out, a little credit, because you did say Vicente Luque on here last week, but you immediately afterwards started just like having panic attacks that actually Bola Muhammad was probably going to win this fight. I never did flip. Yeah. I never was flipped. I was never convinced. And you were absolutely certain. And uh, you ended up being right. So um, it may not be, I have, may not be recorded on here, but it is recorded via text messages and many other ways. So uh, credit to you for flipping on that. Um, apologies to anybody that took your advice when we recorded, but uh, maybe we'll start doing a better job of letting people know when you flip your flip your picks because that was a that was a sharp play to get some underdog money there. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to start tweeting out or something like the day of the fights so or the day before some uh, some final picks. Yeah, I just started thinking about it. And I'm like, I just Vicente Luque he can get taken down and then like off his back, he's good. But I don't think he's gonna. I mean, just seems like uh, Bilal Muhammad's just been on top of his game and he's not going to get submitted off, you know, in, in guard from, uh, from Luke. So yeah, I just started, I don't know, kind of just thinking Bilal Muhammad was going to win the fight and yeah, he did. And boring, typical Bilal, boring Muhammad fashion, but, uh, yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, obviously. I mean, kind of a, kind of a, uh, I don't know, a grim, a grim fight because you don't, I don't. I know this sounds bad, but I just don't really like when Bilal. I don't want Bilal Muhammad to win. Like, why do I hate? Why do people? I'm not alone in this either. Like, why does nobody want him to win? Just because he's boring. He's boring. He's goofy. <laughs> I don't know. He's got no neck. Um, I gotta say, I don't know. It's just his physique. He's got no personality either. Like, um, I, I don't know. He's just uh, he's brutal to watch on the desk. And it's just I had no redeeming qualities about the guy. See, I don't even think I don't think he's that bad. Like, I just don't like he's he's funny on Twitter and like I think people maybe I don't know. He does like a podcast and stuff. I have no idea. He he has gotten crazy swole though in the past couple. That correlates exactly with his winning streak. He's gotten super jacked. On top of that, his striking was marginally improved from uh his last fight um he did get absolutely blown up by uh leon edwards so their his his winning streak that they keep like just bringing up like it's like some uh out of this world stat they're forgetting about the fact that he was getting like butchered by leon edwards yeah that was a loss like, <laughs> yeah thick tonight. like you know he took the easy way out of that <laughs> Yeah, although it, it does also seem like his eye maybe the eye that got poked maybe pointing in a different direction now when he looks at the camera. So <laughs> maybe he didn't take the easy way out, but he got the easy he got the easy uh, the easy solution that makes him uh, gives him a little more leverage now because he's on like an eight fight winning streak or whatever. But again, yeah, it looks like seven seven in the no contest. Yeah, so yeah, and they keep saying like unbeaten in eight fights. They love doing that whenever there's a no contest because it just kind of jazzes it up and. Uh, because it would be like a two-fight win, or one that would have been one fight. Because he lost to, or he, no contest, Leon Edwards, and then he beat Wonder Boy, right? And then now, uh, no, Damian Maya too. Oh yeah, he did beat Damian Maya. So then he's got he he would have been on a two-fight winning streak. Instead, they got to say unbeaten in seven fights. So they love doing that. But again, you got to give him some credit. He did beat he Sunday Luke just looked kind of like confused or slow or I'm not sure and. Uh, when it comes to Vicente Luca, he's been on a run lately, a really good one. He's kind of been like one of the guys where like this guy's a dark horse in the division, and uh, I agreed with that completely. But fights like this, and this is like revisionist history, and I sound like like I'm like a casual, but like this is why this guy's been around a long time, and he's never really been that. I mean, something always happens. Like he he's lost fights before, is what I'm saying. So it's not like he was necessarily like championship caliber 
even though it started to look like maybe he was putting things together and going in the right direction. And then you run into a guy like Boal Muhammad, who, I mean, more or less dominated him. Well, they the matchmakers like this guy. I mean, they give him winnable fights almost every time. His only losses have come when he when they give him a step up. When it's like they give him like four or five like easy matchups in a row, and then they're like kind of like title conversations. They're like, all right, are you good enough to be in the title picture? And then they give him Wonder Boy, and he loses. They gave him he had a few wins, four wins coming into the UFC Ultimate Fighter. Like after the Ultimate Fighter, he had four wins in a row. Then they feed him Leon Edwards. He loses. And he beats Nico Price, Chad LaPreeze, Jalen Turner, Brian Barberina, Derek Krantz, and and Platinum Perry. So he's on Arguably lost team. to Platinum Perry, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Split decision. And they give him Wonder Boy. He loses to Wonder Boy, like gets crushed by him. Then they give him Nico Price again, Randy Brown, Tyron Woodley, and Michael Chiesa. And then he loses to Blah Muhammad. So it's like They'd like really hook him up on fights, like in between losses, it seems like, compared to most guys. Yeah, and they hook up Ball Muhammad, too. This was like two guys that have just, like, the UFC just loves to throw layups to. I will say, I thought that Wonder Boy was going to be a tough fight for Ball Muhammad. I actually bet heavy on Wonder Boy, got embarrassed. Um, so I was wrong there. But uh, Ball Muhammad is a guy that was fighting, uh, what's his name, Diego Lima, like a year ago. Yeah, so yeah, I was Diego Lima. I was right before Leon Edwards fight. So yeah, Lyman Good, Takashi Sato, Curtis Millender. Yeah, some goofballs. So yeah, besides besides his last two fights and Leon Edwards, he's fought bums pretty much his whole career. Yeah, so I don't know any closing thoughts on this because this is the only consequential fight in this whole on this whole card. So we might as well like go all out here and just say like. I don't like. I guess Bilal Muhammad is in the running for like a Kamzad or a Colby, or I don't want to talk, think about a title shot. But I mean, we've seen crazier shit happen, so I don't know. I mean, Bilal Muhammad, I, what do you do with him? Yeah, I mean, I think he's got a. I don't. I don't think he can get a title off this. You win. can't let. Uh, you can't let. Win. It's like Bilal Muhammad and Kamzad's star run, though. Can you? Can you really let him end the no, hype train? He won't. He, can you risk he that? Won't beat I don't think so. I don't think I think you can feed him to Kamzat and he'll crush him. But uh, I mean, he's definitely got to fight basically Kamzat, Gilbert Burns, or, or Colby before he can even think about having a title shot, right? Like Gilbert Burns and and Colby Covington specifically, I think are are two guys that they probably match him up with next if if Colby's not fighting Kamzat because um, I mean those guys are guys that have already lost to the champion. They're kind of in that middle ground. There's no way you get a skip over those two guys and they're kind of looking for fights that aren't going to be championship fights. I think you got to give them to Gilbert Burns. I th- I don't think you risk it with with Kamzat. That would be the biggest misstep of all time to feed your most exciting or not I mean you're thinking feed him to him and get him a get Kamzat a nice win. I'm thinking to get to risk your biggest like star in a decade to lose to Bilal Muhammad of all people. Yeah, because it'll be in boring, like, <laughs> awful fashion. And then all of us like, will walk so, away with the same thought, like, maybe Kamzat wasn't that good. Yeah, if he loses to Bilal Muhammad, it's going to be in a way where, like, you, you can't think Kamzat's very good anymore if Bilal Muhammad beats him because he's just going to, like, take him down. Like, and, and Kamzat's supposed to be a superior wrestler, right? So if he wins that fight, it's going to be, like, take down and hold him there. And, yeah, I mean, I don't think he can do it, though. So I think I think that's not as much of a risk. But if, if it did for argument's sake if it did happen that's bad be horrible i wouldn't risk it until you absolutely i wouldn't do it until Bilal muhammad has the belt <laughs> yeah right 
So here I am all, spending all this time talking about how much how like how much credit I give to the UFC for always just making the best fights regardless. And then I come around and now I'm trying to now I'm trying to uh, baby pad cams at its record. But either way, I don't think I don't think we're headed that direction. Um, but this was the only consequential fight in this entire card. Not to say there weren't good ones. Um, so it was uh, it was worth tuning in for. Um, we don't have this one on our recap, or we didn't bet on it. The co-main event, and I don't even know how to say these guys' name. Two undefeated fighters, uh, Baralo versus Godzi Omar Ganache or whatever. Yeah, that Brazilian Omar dude Gazzai. was like, does he give you Paulo Costa vibes? He was a goofy guy. Yeah, he he was he was strange. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's good comparison. Dude, he was like he was like Paulo Costa with a neck tattoo. <laughs> and he was yeah but. and he was he mauled him he mauled that other dude as a slight underdog yeah and this is another one where there was a there was a foul yeah wild yeah. foul absolutely wild foul was this was a uh, was this a knee to a downed opponent uh, yeah i believe so it yeah. was close it was like but it was definitely was his hand was definitely round, down right where he almost need the guy in the head and then stopped yeah and then in the third round he just need him in the head so and then they decided it was a dan mergliata's just like uh, we found out, we learned, I don't know if you knew this, I didn't know this, it's uh, to the judge's discretion if you either do a DQ or if you go to the scorecards or if you, I mean... It's the ref's discretion. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I meant, the ref's discretion. I mean, I guess... Yeah, yeah, they, I, they, uh, yeah they're in charge of saying if it's accidental or, or intentional. If it's intentional, the fight's over. If it's accidental, then they go to the scorecards providing it's if it's a three-round fight it has to be at least halfway through the third round okay but they knew this was intentional because he took a point away right yeah which doesn't it doesn't make any sense yeah. but it was the right so, call because he was winning so dominantly yeah basically that's what it was i think i think they knew it was intentional but it's tough to give a fight to a guy halfway through the third round that's lost all three rounds right so i think it was just like one of those where like you were losing like we're just going to like take a point and call this an unintentional, which doesn't make any sense. But, and it happened twice know, on one card. Like these things, it's, you said this perfectly like well over a year ago. Like when something weird happens, usually it happens again like right after. Yeah. Like these things come in yeah, twos. Exactly. But I didn't, like we didn't. Three is if you count. I didn't know about either of these guys, and I was super impressed with the Brazilian guy. Also, probably a guy worth following on Twitter, even though like not just for good advice, but also because he's a total psychopath, and I'll get maybe a little more into that later. Um, but Sean Strickland tweeted that he trained with both of these guys, and he said this Chow Biralo was going to maul this dude, and he was right on. He's done that yeah. several times now. Yeah, right. So it's Well, yeah, like you're saying, it's three, though, because the Martin Boudet-Chris Barnett fight had happened in two, and the Corey Anderson. Oh, yeah, 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 that's the other one. I forgot the other one, yeah. Well, the Corey Anderson one, they just did a note. The, the – uh, the uh, what's the fat guy's name? Chris Barnett. That one was also wildly, obviously a foul. I, I will say that one was yeah. less of a foul because he did turn his head a little bit. But I've never seen them stop a fight for a punch to the back of the head and then be like, "Oh, it was an accident." Yeah, it wasn't that accidental. <laughs> he may have turned his head a little bit, but it was like clearly like an intent. He was like elbowing him to the back of yeah. the head. Like it was very clear, like a twelve to six elbow. <laughs> And to the back of the head. So he broke two rules there. But he was winning and by so uh, much, they just couldn't stomach the idea of giving Chris Barnett that win. Yeah, and Chris Barnett, he, uh, I don't think he even wanted to go out there for the third round. He was saying his ribs were broken and shit. So 
Um, yeah, it just, uh, he was getting his ass kicked, and yeah, they just uh, gave it to Bidet. They're on the decision saying it was a unintentional foul. It almost paid off going back out there with the broken ribs. And then who was the, that might have been Mark Smith ref in that one, I don't remember, but somebody's like, dude, do you really want to continue? And he's like, yeah, I want to continue, but after he asked about like the broken ribs. So he didn't take, he almost got, he had almost paid off to not take the easy way out, but he also almost got like the, the one of the worst victories of all time. So that was the other right. one. Two times in one night, they just randomly decided. And to be quite honest with you, I think I like the judge's discretion much more because clearly those guys were winning their fights. Yeah, they committed fouls, not necessarily like, like heat of the moment fouls, not like eye gouges or anything. So like, I don't know. The fights didn't need to go on. We know who won that fight. Like they were easy win fights. So I was fine with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess the argument is it's not like, it's intentional. Like you're trying to stop this fight to go to scorecards. Cause like you're winning all three rounds. Like you wouldn't intentionally file a guy to stop the mm-hmm. fight. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, whether it was like, it wasn't necessarily intentional. It wasn't necessarily unintentional, but it wasn't like intentional either. You yeah. know, it was just like a, like a brain, like heat you know, of the like moment type stuff. Lapse in judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I think the right, the right decision happened. So whether or not that that's how it's written into the rules, because I definitely don't think it is, but uh, we'll take it and we'll hopefully uh, keep it'll keep working like that from now on. So, um, but we got two more fights to recap here. We got Miguel Baeza versus Andre Fialo. Um, pat ourselves on the back. This was both of our favorite pick of the, on the card. We got underdog money on Andre Fialo, who looked pretty good, who's fighting Miguel Baeza, who's looked very hittable, and a uh, pretty sick knockout by Fialo. Um, anybody who was, I mean, He's kind of like a forgettable guy because he did lose his first fight to uh, um, Michelle Pereira, but he looked good in there, and there were, there was enough in that fight to see that he this guy had some serious hands and some some clean boxing, and that that's all you need to see when you're when your opponent's Miguel Baeza who gets cracked a lot. So that was probably our uh, best pick. I needed it. I needed to get back on track. So um, that was a, a sharp play by the JLT boys and a lot of other people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was happy with that one. Played out just like we expected it to. And, yeah, Baeza, man, I don't know where he really goes from here, right? Like, um, he just looked so promising at the start, and now he's just been beaten up three times in a row, right? Yeah, so. bad, too. I mean, they don't, they're, not, they're not helping. They're giving him tough fights because he did look good. I think he was only, like, 9-0 and when he came into the UFC, so not a ton of fights. But then he had two good wins. I mean, he beat Matt Brown. He almost lost to Matt Brown. Matt Brown had him hurt bad, and then he came back and knocked Matt Brown out. Matt Brown out, and then he beat uh, Sato, and then uh, since then it was what Ponzinibbio, Chaos Williams, and then Andre Fiala. That's those are especially two of those guys are insanely tough guys. And Fiala may not be well known, but clearly uh, strength strength wise, it was a tough matchup. So yeah, I mean, Baeza I think is kind of like a case we've seen like a many many times where he'll probably go away and fight some fight some or some prelim fights and some lower level fights and whatnot. And then uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he cleaned up his game a little bit. Yeah, same. Hopefully, because I think he's got, he's got talent. He's just, uh, he's got a few holes to work on. Yeah, so. literal defensive holes. So he, uh, he better figure it out that you can't get knocked out like that too many more times. But exactly. maybe he will. And all right, one more. Uh, Devin Clark, William Knight. We were on this one too. Not what I was expecting. Also... Uh, shame on me not doing my homework, but I did not know this was a heavyweight fight, and I especially didn't know that William Knight was weighing 250. Yeah, he gets he gets big, dude. I think he's done fighting at 205. 
I think he's only 5'10", but he is uh, he's massive. Absolutely massive. I'm, I mean, clearly Devin Clark, no question, is the more skilled fighter. William Knight's just dangerous, and I, I didn't know. Like I said, I wasn't aware. I mean, Devin Clark filled out good, too. He, was, he came in at 225, and he looked solid, so I, I wouldn't expect that either. But uh, as far as... Uh, you know, just not really doing my homework and just looking at two guys that I kind of have always thought of in a similar similar pool. Um, I was pretty pretty happy with the Devin Clark pick. Didn't expect him to knock William Knight out cold. I think that's only like William Knight's third or fourth loss. But, um, yeah, just a more technical fighter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, first round it seemed a little bit closer, right? I remember this fight, right? And then uh, Devin Clark kind of started pulling away as it went on, which is which is what we expected, Get the uh, got the finish. And, yeah, William Knight, he was uh, – he was lights out there. Yeah, and word to the wise, I'll give my advice right now on Devin Clark. Not a guy a lot of people really pay attention to. Definitely not like a championship caliber guy or anything along those lines. This guy can seriously take a beating in round one and come back from it almost every time. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's uh, He's got the will, right? He'll stay in there and he'll gut it out and uh, and keep coming it in the second and third yeah he almost loves to take a beating is what it seems like so always you got to keep an eye on in the late rounds and he proved to uh, prove that strategy right again so um anything else on this card you wanted to recap or anything i know we we didn't get too crazy on the picks last week because there just wasn't a lot to to offer there that was really worth uh worth diving into but was there anything else that you that stuck out to you i mean i did watch this whole card but like it's all a blur now yeah, not really. I mean, Munir Lazaz. Yeah, he looked he really looked, good. Uh, looked pretty good against uh, Angie Lusa. Um, I mean, Lusa, I don't really know much about him. I think he was a, just a late notice replacement. Yeah, short notice guy. And yeah, so I'm not really sure about that. Jakar Close. Got oh, he the, looked uh, good, but know, he. Comeback win. That fight should not after, have been made, uh, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, no, he crushed that Brandon Jenkins. He didn't look like he belonged in there. So. He had your car closed, come back after the uh, devastating German Stevens show. Um, yeah, Martin Boudet, we kind of talked about that over Chris Barnett. Other than that, not really. It was, uh, you know, some decent fights. Nothing really, nothing great, though. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there. And I, like, like you you said earlier this week, like, this card coming up is not, not horrible, but, like, these fight nights can kind of get on your, kind of wear on you after a while because they just – if you're not really like up if you're not really like up for it i mean you kind of just watch with like one eye on the tv and one eye on your phone but like like a devin clark knockout was electric and the uh brazilian co-main event was pretty sick too and then the main event actually had title implications so it's not like there was nothing to see here um yeah it's just i the problem is like you know i feel like they used to mix in really good fight nights you know and now it just seems like we got four weeks of uh you know three or four weeks of just very subpar fight nights and then uh stack pay-per-view so you know i I think it would do them some good to just make you know at least one out of every you know every in between each pay-per-view at least make one of these fight nights good you know we used to get title fights on fight nights yeah. The little shrimps. I mean, we, I guess we still do it once a year, but um, they just really don't do anything with the rest of them. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, like <laughs> there was a good, there was a good, some good picks to be made on this card. Like I, I kind of bounced back, got myself back on track after like three or four t- terrible weeks in a row. But um, you know, it's just not the same level, and the apex thing kind of sucks still. Yeah, exactly. I'm ready for these to all be back on, on the road. But yeah, we're getting there. Like we're getting there. So there's some hope there. So um, 
we'll move on though. Close the book on that one. Kind of a forgettable card, but um, we'll see. We'll maybe look back on it as a turning moment when Bola Muhammad uh, beats Kamara Usman for the belt. But until then, we won't worry about it. Uh, let's move on though to our our segments here. Our isn't he awesome and our weekly call out. Pretty sure it's my turn to go first, so I will take it from here. <clears throat> I got two Isney Awesomes this week. I had one for the last couple days, and then I had a late edition um, today. First one, Chase Sherman. Guy always finds a way back into the UFC. He's been all over. He's done it all. He's done everything except win fights, and he's back in the UFC for another run. Um, looking like maybe, maybe the biggest underdog I've ever seen in my life on a UFC card. Does that sound? Yeah, it's close, right? It's, does that sound? Uh, can you think of anybody that was ever, especially on the guy's side, a plus eight hundred? No, I don't know. There's been there's been a few that that have been close to this. They're probably equal to it, but I mean, it's it's about you know, it's right in that worst ever territory. What about what about a guy with as many fights as Chase Sherman in the UFC being a plus eight hundred? No, yeah, I guess yeah, I guess most of the times we've seen this big of a line, it's been on a, a women's MMA fight. Yeah, for sure. So shout out Chase Sherman. The guy gets it done, not in the octagon, but he gets it, finds a way to get into the octagon, and uh, you can't take that away from him. Uh, next is the awesome, a little more significant. Uh, Mike Iron Mike Tyson beating up a passenger on an airplane. Um, <laughs> I saw that. I, I mean. The guy deserved it. First and foremost, this guy deserved it. I don't know if you saw the whole video. This guy was like, if you're going to be like the worst airline passenger of all time, like that's pretty bad luck to end up being the worst airline passenger of all time sitting next to Mike Tyson. But I will say Mike Tyson still definitely has some demons inside of him to just snap and beat the shit out of a guy on a plane. Like he definitely could have had this guy removed or I don't know, switch seats or taken to the back of the plane or whatever. Uh, but he chose to handle it his own way. Um, Guy's got to be close to like 55, 60 years old, and he still is uh, throwing rights and laughs yeah. and bloodying people up. So uh, shout out to him. Um, I think. Yeah, the guy was asking for it. Oh, the guy deserved it 100%. If, it, if I was on that plane, I would have let it go. I would have given, given, given up my seat next to the guy just to let, uh, let uh, Mike Tyson pummel him even worse. Good to see Mike Tyson get a win, too. But like I said, the guy still probably has some anger problems. Um, I think like his whole like calm, peaceful demeanor is like a bit of a front at this point, and it yeah, always has obviously. been. But um, so yeah, just it's. I'm almost happy to know though that the demons are still in there somewhere. Yeah, right. That you know, just uh, an annoying passenger on a plane can uh, can take him can set him. And off think about this: know. who has not wanted to pummel or beat the shit out of a guy on a plane at one point or another in their life? Oh yeah, it's it's the worst. I mean, I feel his pain though. You know, somebody that annoying. I I haven't had to deal with anything like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like the guy the guy just wanted to get beat up by Mike Tyson is what it seemed like because he was just being extra annoying. Yeah, and this is going on in first class number one and number two. When you have like a such a high profile guy like Mike Tyson on your plane, isn't there any special provisions like guys keep an eye on like make sure nobody harasses and make sure nobody bugs him like we want him to have a good experience. We don't want to end up on the front page of Twitter and a super viral video. Like, isn't that like, I don't know. I thought I knew stuff about the airline yeah, industry, the guy, but I guess not. The guy seemed like he was being extra annoying oh, for quite a while. He was, right? Yeah, for a, didn't seem like, a long time. He was like sticking his yeah, head over and like talking anybody, shit to him and stuff. He was definitely wasted. Yeah, it didn't seem like anybody was there to uh, to put a stop to it either. So Yeah, I think that's, 
I think that's odd for a guy as like well known as and high profile as Mike Tyson for somebody not to take matters into their own hands and uh, uh, fix the situation. But I guess you never know, and I guess things happen. But like I said, Mike Tyson needed to win as bad as anybody, and uh, a guy. I mean, maybe it's a, a warning to all the annoying airline passengers out there that you never know if uh, maybe like the most devastating knockout puncher of all time is sitting in front of you. Uh, ready to go off at any moment. So shout out to Mike Tyson. Um, hopefully he doesn't get in too much trouble. The guy does have priors, so he might uh, – Yeah. <laughs> the judge might throw the book at him again. Uh, I'll move on to my call out short and quick to this week. Uh, didn't have – I don't think I really had a ton – there was a ton to work with. So got a call up with Sante Luque for not shutting down Bilal Muhammad. Um, I guess I guess Bilal Muhammad's the better fighter. I guess Vicente Luque, like you said, kind of had a cakewalk to get to this point. But – I was really counting on him to uh, to uh, put an end to this uh, this madness that we've been witnessing the past what year of Bo- of Bilal Muhammad's uh, reign of terror on the welterweight division. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so quick one for me. Uh, what do you got this week? Uh, I got two Isney Awesomes here as well. One of them's a, an Isney Awesome staple for me. So. Um, going with two just to uh, mix it up a little bit. First off, we got Andre Fialo. Like you said, we were uh, very confident him. He comes through for us, makes us look good. So always nice to get a plus 150, any plus money in there on our on our bet. So shout out to Andre Fialo. Interested to see what he's got matched up with next. And uh, second is the awesome is my guy, Nate Diaz, once again. Uh, but specifically uh, his uh, his call out of the, uh, of the UFC and the uh, UFC strike nft drop so um he went out just calling out the uh the hypocrisy that it is for the ufc to put out a uh you know a drop of the diaz brothers on 420 when they suspended nick for was supposed to be five years got reduced to two and to find him both of them countless times for uh for weed now it's uh why don't we make some money off of it so he said i told everybody not to buy the uh, ufc strike drop um I was going to, I missed it, just forgot about it, but I'm going with the story that, you know, I, uh, I honored his wishes. And I was uh, going to say, are you going to admit that you sent a group text out like an hour before that tweet came out? <laughs> yeah, I just for, uh, forgot about it, so. <laughs> yeah, you honored his wishes. You sent a group chat out earlier that day, like, get in line for the Nate Diaz strike drop, and then... <laughs> hey, it worked out. Now I can say that, uh, you know, I, uh, I listen to my boy, Nate. There you go. Yeah, he's uh he's been mad at the UFC lately. Yeah, they won't give him a fight. It's kind of insane. Yeah, that's I'm with you there. Um, and I, th- I guess that's his whole thing. Is like we, t- I mean, you're the Nate Diaz beat reporter, so you know these things firsthand. It's like he wants to fight out his contract so he can get paid one more time, right? Yeah, exactly. He wants to fight out his contract and see if he can. You know, I, I think he could go back to the UFC. I think it's just all about the money. Whoever. Whoever gives him the best offer is going to get Nate. So we'll see who that happens to be. I would assume it's probably going to be a diff. Excuse me. I would assume it's probably going to be Bellator or something. I would think that somebody's going to pay up more than the UFC is willing to pay. But you never know. I mean, that's probably why the UFC is kind of pushing this out. They want to retain him. Um, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, we will see. We will. Um, and Who knows? Yeah, we'll hit up the call out now. So. I have a, a big Brendan Schaub call-out planned and a deep dive, 
But uh, I was going to do it this week. We're going to save it for, for next week's episode. We're going to be in person. It's going to gonna be quite the uh, – quite. it's going to probably be its own segment. So, uh, But this week we're going to go with – instead we're going to go with Pico Grands. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they strike again. You know, un, they come at the most unfortunate times, these Pico Grands. They just uh, seem to always flare up, flare up in the worst, uh, worst they times. They they've uh, – What's they that? they yeah, pulsate, pulsate at the worst yeah, times. That, exactly, pulsate. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, um, we lost one of the matchups I was looking forward the uh, the most on this card in the Manel Cape versus uh, Maderji. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess it was. I looked into it a little bit. I read an article on it. He tested positive for a, a picograms, I think 17 or so, picograms of the M3 metabolite, which is a, a long-term metabolite metabolite for a lo- for an anabolic steroid so he claims he's never done it never done steroids he said uh he's been told and since he tested positive been informed of multiple fighters who have had the same metabolite pop up and and baseball players and other stuff so it's probably something in a supplement we'll give him the benefit of the doubt but uh yeah these picograms are are something they got to figure out and yeah apparently he's not going to be suspended by the ufc if you're under 100 picograms, it doesn't count as a positive test, but you have to enter like a six-month, like additional testing type deal. Yeah, and like to your point, baseball players and fighters would never do steroids, so it's got to be a coincidence. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, definitely not. No, that is too bad. That well, I mean, right when I jumped out with you, I was like, man, that's a good. That's probably the best fight on the card, or one of the best fights on the card, and that's good value on Manel Cape too. Boom, fights off. So disappointing. Yeah, fucking Pico Grand. For a guy who had a terrible start in the UFC as well, he really is like coming around. Like he was so timid in those first two fights, and then since then he's just been going after it and getting it. And uh, what is he, the Star Boy? Yeah, bad nickname though. <laughs> yeah, I tried to say it with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> the Star Boy, Manel. Hey, speaking boy, of right? nicknames on this card, our boy is back. But we'll get to him when we get to our breakdown. So, um, any more callouts? Uh, nope, that'll be it. All right, well. Next week, tune in. Next week, uh, yeah. The shop call. Yeah, just a little preview. Next week, Ryan has been um, digging deep, 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 deep into the life and times of, of Brendan Schaub, and he may have uncovered some pretty serious allegations and crimes. So um, stick around for next week. Um, uh, we'll get it done early in the week. We'll uh, get our stuff organized. No excuses, but... We'll start. We'll lead things off with a with a Brendan Schaub. Somewhere in the episode, we'll have a Brendan Schaub uh, deep dive. So, investigative journalism at its best. That's how how this podcast started, and that's uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll always get back to our roots when we need to. So, we'll move on though to our uh, UFC Fight Night, whatever. I don't know what number we're on anymore. Fifty four or something. Uh, Lemos versus Andrade. We got Amanda Lemos. Plus 175, Jessica Andrade, minus 210, rightfully so. Um, she's like a little powerhouse pit bull. Amanda Lamos has looked good, although I think she looks kind of slow. Um, and she tends to fade. Like, I, she easily could have lost that fight to An- An- Angela Hill in her last fight back in December. Easily. I think a lot of people scored that for Angela, Angie Hill. Um, I think Jessica Andrade is like another level of a – another level of uh above this so i'm definitely on jessica andrage here what's your lean on this one yeah i'm all over andrage too five round fight 
Um, I think you got to go with Andrade. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a, a first round and half the second round. You're going to kind of be on the edge of your seat. Lemos, she does start off strong. But um, hopefully Andrade, she's able to get inside and take her down in those first rounds and kind of tire her out without having to take a ton of damage. So, But as this fight goes on, Andrade just gets stronger. You, you know, we saw, like you said, Lemos has gas tank issues. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a good price on, on Andrade. You can put her uh, up at the top of your parlays and then, uh, you know, hedge out. If you, you know, if you have a big score coming in, you can hedge on, on Lemos. But I, I think Andrade is probably going probably gonna to roll in this one. Yeah, tough to argue that. Um, next fight, we got a UFC legend himself and probably a guy that kind of makes the card worth watching here. We got Claudio Puelos versus uh, Clay Guida, the caveman Clay Guida, the carpenter. Minus 110, minus 110. Even money here. I'm a guy who anytime I get underdog money on Clay Guida, it's always worth a look. Um, I may extend that out to anytime you get even money on Clay Guida because... Nothing, nobody fights for your money harder than Clay Guida. So if you're getting a full a full return on it um, or a minus 110 return on it, it's hard to pass up a, a, a shot at Clay Guida. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm going to go with Clay Guida on this one. I mean, it's it's tough. It's a close fight, I think. I think it's deservedly a pick em, But uh, yeah, like you said, Clay Guida, he's got all the experience. He fights for your money. He, he's going to go for it. So we're going to go with Clay Guida and, and hope he fights for his money and gets the win. So... I mean, this Bliss, he does have some good submissions. He's he's hit quite a few knee bars, two in the UFC, six, I think quite a, more than that in his career, maybe like three or four total. Um, so you got to watch out for that. Clay Guida could put him spots, some, himself in some rough spots, but I think he knows how to, you know, defend the knee bar. You just get in and start pummeling him on the face, which we know Clay, Clay Guida is willing to do. So, um, I mean, as long as you don't get a hit snap right away, I think you're you can fight it off. So hopefully uh, Clay Guida fights for our money here in this one. And, yeah, we'll pick him in a pick him. And if there's any question about who wins the cardio awards, Clay Guida all day, every day. So on anybody, the guy's exactly. cardio machine. All right, Macy Barber, Montana De La Rosa. Macy Barber minus 180, Montana De La Rosa plus 155. Obviously, Macy Barber in kind of a not where anybody really expected her to be after – I mean, is this her first fight this year? Her last fight was Miranda Maverick? I think so, yeah. That was her last fight, Miranda Maverick. And that was a terrible split decision that they gave to Macy Barber that really Miranda Maverick should have won, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I thought I thought Miranda Maverick clearly won round one and two mm-hmm. in that. And uh, Macy Barber did look really good in round three, but I thought it was a clear round one and two for uh, Miranda Maverick. Yeah, that was a long time ago now. She's been out a while. But anyhow... I'll put it this way, Montana De La Rosa is a step down from almost anybody. No disrespect to her, but not at the same level. I think 180 from Macy Barber is actually a pretty good deal. Um, obviously, women's MMA, anything can happen. Macy Barber, fairly inconsistent. I think her dad's still her coach, which is probably the biggest problem of all, but I guess you never know. Um, but anyhow, what's your lean on this fight? Is there any, is there any way to uh, maximize your return here? Yeah, I mean, I really like Macy Barber in this one. Um, I think she's going to beat Montana De La Rosa. She's uh, the one thing we've we've learned about Macy Barber though. She is a slow starter. She uh, she's been giving up these first rounds left and right. I think you could possibly look for a live bet on Macy Barber after the first round. I'm hoping that Macy Barber has learned from that and she starts, you know, with a little more uh, aggression at the beginning of these fights. But notoriously, she's been a slow starter. But uh, 
Montana De La Rosa, she gets busted up by by worse strikers oh than Lucy Barber. So she does. Um, I, yeah, I think minus one eighty is a, a really good line here for Macy Barber. And uh, you know, Montana De La Rosa, she's got decent jiu-jitsu. She's not strong enough to get to the ground. I think Macy Barber will be able to keep this standing. I think she'll beat her up. So yeah, I like Macy Barber a lot in this one. Yeah, I can't argue with you there. Obviously, we had uh, Manel Cape fight next. We were all over Manel Cape, but that fight has been removed from the card due to rascally pictograms pulsating again. So we'll move on to Alexander Romanov versus Chase Sherman. Referenced this a bit earlier. I mean, like one of the all-time wide lines here, but Alexander Romanov currently uh, minus 1,375, Chase Sherman plus 800. Hard to say in MMA that there's ever a reason to have a line this wide, but in this case, it does add up. I mean, the the math checks out. I don't think you can bet on Romanov just because of the unforeseen, unpredictable, never-know situations. Another guy who's kind of like definitely the wrestling is definitely superior, but um, it's not like he's untouchable, unhittable, and unbeatable. Um, I mean, unless you're Chase Sherman most likely, but again – not much you can do with this fight, do you think? Or is there is there something you're looking for here, maybe a finish or something? No, yeah. I mean, I think Romanov beats Jay Sherman. He's going to take him down. He's going to beat him up. I mean, the one thing, though, we saw Romanov in the uh, two fights go. He beat up Jared Vendera in his last fight. But uh, the Juan Espino fight, I mean, he was hanging on for dear life in that third round. Yes. And um, he got in. Yeah, Juan Espino needed him in the groin, and he faked like he couldn't continue and was able the same thing we saw happen twice this weekend he was able to get the uh, technical decision because um he won the first and the second and then the knee he was winning part of the third he won two out of the three rounds so he was able to uh get the win that way after it was stopped midway through the third round so um that is something i don't know i just i don't like betting this big of a line obviously i i don't know i might i'd probably even leave him off my parlays here so this even though we have this on here we're probably just going to leave it off because he's got two rounds in him if he gasses like he did in the juan espino fight he could lose to chase sherman if chase, if he's able if chase sherman is able to make it to the third round so at this wide of a margin it's just i don't think it's worth it really it's just too much to risk for so little return exactly so and i get like i i mean a guy can break his ankle a guy can throw a leg kick and his own leg can break or can fall on his own head it's it's mma it's not a there's no safe picks per se in this sport again you're talking about chase sherman who has to be fairly low on like the all-time like punching bag list again the guy's head is like a massive target that never moves but uh yeah they 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 scouted this line out pretty uh pretty thoroughly and they're not leaving anything to really uh to really be jumped on here, so I'm with you there. Um, who do we yeah, got? Yeah, I'd be I'd be fine with betting this if it was uh, if Romanov didn't have if we weren't aware that he can have gas tank issues with you know with that glaring issue. It's it's tough to lay that much on him on parlays. You know, obviously you're never betting that straight up, but parlay wise, still tough. Yeah, and I mean maybe if you want to do like a seven fight parlay and throw him on last, you then maybe it adds a decent amount of value. But um, if it's just too much to have on like your twos or your threes or your 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 real anchor parlays where you're uh, you're really counting on cashing a couple of those. So exactly. Uh, move on though. We got Charles Air Jordan, um, a JLT favorite, a JLT legend. Some even would say, um, fighting against Lando Venata. This is a pick 'em minus one ten apiece. 
and rightfully so. This is this is looking up and down this card. This is probably the JLT Just Bleed fight of the night. I know our guy Charles Air Jordan always delivers for us, and that's why he's a JLT favorite. But this this isn't bias here. This is this is like probably the JLT Just Bleed fight of the night by by a landslide. And I don't really know who I'm going with here because we've seen Lando Venata look really good at times. We've seen Charles Jordan look really good at times. We've seen Lando Venata get hit at times. We've seen Charles Jordan get hit at times. Tough to tough to decide. I one thing I my thought I'm maybe leaning towards Jordan because we've seen him finish so strong in fights, and that's uh that's maybe where Venata we haven't seen him quite finish as strong. But I, again, Venata's also fought better competition. It's the this whole thing this minus one ten price tag is uh about as accurate as it gets because I I don't this is this really is a pick'em. Yeah, definitely. I think I think I got to go against our boy Charles Jordan here. I, I I just when I first looked at this, I just got the feeling on Lando Venata, and then I was leaning towards Charles Jordan afterwards, and then uh, kind of swung back to Lando Venata. So got I'm going with Lando here. Uh, you know, I love our guy Charles Jordan. He, Charles he could definitely win this fight. I mean, he makes it scrappy. He throws down and uh, he doesn't give up. So I could definitely see him. Um, Taking out Lana Venata. Lana Venata is kind of a guy we've seen have some off nights, I think. And if it is one of those off nights, Charles Jordan, I think, wins this fight. But um, basically, this is Lando's second fight at 145. I think he looked really good in his first fight at 145 against uh, Mike Grundy. Um, yeah, and uh, I think he mixed in some wrestling recently. He's been getting a little better at that. Charles Jordan, his takedown defense isn't great. Um, so I think... Lando Venata just has a slight edge in this. I'm going with him on the pick but uh, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised for our guy, uh, Air Jordan, to get the win here. Perfect. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. So next one, last one we're going to get to, uh, Marcin Pracnow, minus 125, Felipe Linz, plus 105. Never in your life bet on Felipe Linz. I don't care what's <laughs> going on in your life or what you think you see. Never bet on Felipe Linz. I will revisit this if I'm wrong, and uh, – I'll bring it up. No one will have to bring it up to me, but never bet on Felipe Lins. Uh, your your yeah. your educated take on this? I think that's uh, that's all you have to say. Never never bet on Felipe Lins. So if we see Felipe Lins on the card, we're going we're going against him. Marcin Pracnow is is his opponent, so we're picking Marcin Pracnow on this one. I mean, I think Marcin Pracnow has looked a little bit better in his last few fights. Um, he is does kind of have chin issues. Um, I think he's got a little bit better at at avoiding the big shots. I mean, Felipe Linz is, you know, I don't think he's going to be the guy to put him out. Uh, I think Marcin Pracnow is going to be able to, uh, you know, just be, beat Felipe Linz. We, we, what we've seen in Felipe Linz the last few fights in the UFC, he doesn't throw any punches. So I don't think he's going to be able to uh, to test Marcin Pracnow's chin when he barely throws anything. So. Um, I think Pracnow is the, the way to go on this one for sure. Yeah, and one thing Felipe Linz has going for him that Corey Anderson doesn't, he was able to win the million dollars from uh, PFL. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's a guy Somehow. who's been there and done it. There's the best heavyweight in the world, um, but we're going against I don't know him. How, I don't know how he's able to do it, but <laughs> apparently he, he's had better days. But in the UFC, I guess I, I think he fought really weak competition in that in that PFL heavyweight tournament. So yeah, if I had more time on my hands and like more uh, like I don't know how to explain this. If I had like if I really wanted to make something make something like interesting, I would go back to the first ever PFL where it was like minor league fighters fighting for one million dollars. Now they're attracting some real talent. Granted, a lot of these guys are past their prime, uh, but I mean they've made it. They've made it a. Uh, um, 
attractive for a real fighter, real top level fighters to attempt to win the one million dollars. But I think that first season or two was pretty pretty thin, and uh, Felipe Lins obviously was a major beneficiary of a a pretty weak system. But he hasn't been able to do anything in the UFC, so um, obviously not 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 pulling the trigger on him for ever. So. Um, we got a couple fighters to watch here. We got the Beverly Hills Ninja on this card. Always good to see him. You know, one thing about him is that that guy is going to come out guns blazing, likely get knocked out, possibly knock his guy out, but he's coming out guns blazing. All the credit in the world to the kid grew up in Beverly Hills, decided to become a cage fighter. Um, yeah, I mean, just, a. Uh, a wild career choice for a guy who uh, doesn't look very athletic, and I don't even know how thoroughly trained he was. I think he's like a karate guy, but he's uh, he's fighting Mark Andre Barrios, and uh, he's a plus one fifty fiver. But he may uh, he may surprise you. Yeah, exactly. You never know with, with Jordan Wright, the Beverly Hills Ninja. So he, at least it's going to be a good fight, I believe. You know, so uh, usually when he's in there, he goes for it, which uh, makes it a pretty entertaining fight. And the other one we have on there, we can just skip because I was, for some reason, I thought Dwight Grant was somebody else. Um, <laughs> who, who's that other guy? Like the spider or something? Or um, Jalen Turner, the tarantula? Jalen Turner. Yeah, I got them mixed up for some reason. I mean, Dwight Grant's not bad. He's won a couple good fights. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I lost Trinaldo, I think, in his last Yeah. Game, but uh, I guess one interesting one, that Tyson Pedro fighting I Villanueva. We haven't seen Tyson Pedro in a long time, but I think he's one of the Australian guys trains with maybe Robert Whitaker or something. So yeah, we'll and see, uh, see how he looks like when he comes back. I think he's been off for quite a few years now. Yeah, and another thing, anybody fighting Ike Villanueva is getting the W. So sa- safe yeah. bet for uh, Tyson Pedro here. But other than that, like like we got another minus. Dean Barry is a minus one thousand one hundred twenty-five fighting against Mike Jackson, who I, I mean. I'm not even like the one. The I'm not even saying it's been going around Twitter, but this is like Mike Jackson might be the worst fighter in the UFC, arguably. Yeah, definitely. He beat CM Punk though. <laughs> By decision. <laughs> yeah, you know that's problem. That's a problem if you beat CM Punk, but you beat him by decision. I mean, anybody should be able to take him out. I think Mike Jackson he's he's an MMA journalist, I believe. So, um, yeah, I mean, Dean Barry should should beat him up pretty bad. Yeah, I think that's the plan anyway. When you give him a, a minus uh, a plus seven hundred uh, in the other corner, so yeah, I mean, like you said, we'll be watching these fights. Uh, not necessarily the most insane card of all time, and uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll throw some bets down and make it more interesting. So there's that's there's that. But in the meantime, we'll uh, we'll deal with what we got, and we will uh, we'll go from there. So uh, anything before we wrap things up? No, I think that's it. So, yeah, I mean, not the best main event here, but we got some decent fights. kind of sucks. We lost that Manel Cape versus uh, Mudigeri fight. But, uh, yeah, we'll see uh, see how this goes, this card plays. There's some, some decent matchups. Could be some, some violence. So Definitely some violence in the forecast. So uh, we'll wrap things up then. We'll be back to recap next week. And we will uh, have a very special JLT deep dive slash JLT investigation on the – behaviors of brendan schaub so tune in for that and we'll see you all next week peace
stop, homie.